All right. Good morning, Crossroads Ministries. What a beautiful Sunday. Thank you for being here this morning. For those of you who are watching us online, I want to thank you for sitting in. If you're in the auditorium this morning, would you please stand as we worship here this morning? Here we go. Hey! 
to the Lord this morning. So we want you to give praise to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. As we sing this next song, we want you to enjoy who Jesus is this morning. the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds a victory. Yeah. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout
day. You may be seated, please. We're so thankful for all that God is doing in the church. I just want to take a moment and welcome everyone here today. We're glad that you're here this weekend. If this is your first time here, I'd like to say welcome to you. Thanks for stopping by. And we'd like to invite you to stop by our welcome center located in the foyer off just, uh, just out the main door to the right there. I'd like to invite you to stop by and get more information on the church. And we have a gift just to say thank you for coming to Crossroads this weekend. Just by way of announcements, we have a few announcements. Our car cruises are continuing. We are having a, our car cruise on this Tuesday evening uh, from 5 to 9. And I'm going to encourage you, those will continue to keep going through the end of summer here. So we've only got about three weeks left of that, three or four weeks left. And then uh, this Wednesday, we also have our summer movie night. So that's going to be on Wednesday night, the 17th, right out here on the field. It's starting at 6.30. There will be bounce houses, cone ice. There will be uh, dollar concession stands, all kind of fun stuff for the kids to have fun before the movie starts. And then the movie will start at dusk, which is getting a little bit earlier, if you've noticed that, right? Kind of a little disappointed, but we're going to have fun with it, right? So that's coming up here this Wednesday. If you're able to come, please go on our website and uh, help us out so we can plan. There's a free ticket on there. And, uh, and spread the word to your friends, and uh, we'll be happy to see you this Wednesday night. It's going to be a great, great evening here at the church. And then uh, uh, our fall ministries are going to be kicking off here, coming up here in just a few weeks. On uh, the, the Wednesday right after Labor Day, our Wednesday evening services, will, Wednesday evening gatherings will begin. Our men's Bible study, our women's Bible study will start back up. Our canopy kids, the clubhouse kids downstairs on Wednesday night will be starting. Uh, a lot of the ministries are going to be gearing back up as they've taken a little bit of a, a recess for the summer. And uh, one of those ministries is MOPS. MOPS meets on Tuesdays. But uh, I've asked Lindsay Bradley to come on up, and Lindsay's going to share with you a little bit about MOPS, Mothers of Preschoolers. All right, good morning, church. Um, good morning. 
Um, yes, yeah, so I'm Lindsay Bradley. Um, I'm excited to talk about MOPS today. Um, this is a growing ministry in the church, um, so I think it's important that all of us know what's going on. So this year I'm the co-coordinator of MOPS um, alongside Allie Donahue, who couldn't be here today. Uh, MOPS is, sounds like kind of a silly name if you're not familiar with it, but what it actually stands for is Mothers of Preschoolers. Um, so MOPS International serves thousands of women across the world each year who are seeking to do remarkable things in their homes and communities. The actual mis- mission of MOPS is to encourage and equip moms of young children to realize their potential as mothers women and leaders in relationship with Jesus and in partnership with the local church. MOPS has been around for nearly 50 years, but it was started here in this church by Rhonda um, about 22, 23 years ago. So, and Rhonda is very passionate um, about this organization, so certainly you can always talk to her about that um, as well. So the theme, if you've seen this come up, um, the theme this year is We Go Together. Um, And so part of that is like finding your flock, you know, birds of a feather flock together. All right. So that's where all of this imagery comes in. Um, As a group here at the church, we um, are here to serve moms of preschoolers by providing them with practical and spiritual guidance, as well as kind of a safe place to land and a hot cup of coffee um, where there's no interruptions twice a month. Uh, during a very difficult, sometimes, season of life with little ones. We equip moms to be their best through our meetings, but we also encourage their connections at points all throughout the month and throughout the year through things like meal ministries, um, prayer ministries, and our Mentor Mom program. Um, So I first joined MOPS um, when I still had a kindergartner and a (laughs) two-year-old. All right. Um, and I had just left um, corporate America um, and was looking for connection. I was looking for other moms who maybe were stay-at-home moms or part-time moms um, who uh, just wanted to have community and wanted to um, just love Jesus together. Um, and I found, I found this MOPS group. I wanted to be uh, not just mom. I wanted to be Lindsay, too. And so um, through this group, that's something that I found as well. Um, So how do we get the kid-free time that I was talking about? Um, Part of that way is through our fantastic team of MOPS Kids workers. Um, Our MOPS Kids team is led by Lori Wilson, who helps to coordinate the workers and the curriculum. Um, And she really just loves all of the children um, in the MOPS ministry um, as if they were her own. Um, That being said, um, like I said, our ministry has grown by leaps and bounds over the last three years. And Lori cannot watch all of the children alone. (laughs) On any given second or fourth Tuesday morning, our group shows up with between 25 and 50 children, between the ages um, of infant all the way up to six years old. So we're hoping that um, as you learn more about the value of this group, that you would be moved to learn more about a pretty low commitment opportunity of helping us. Um, This blesses not only the moms that come every twice a month to our church, not only church members, but women from outside in the community, Um, but it blesses the women who, and men, um, who could help um, and watch the children as well. So through a few hours a month, you'd be helping to serve and equip the next generation of families to be warriors for the kingdom and to be the best that they can be in their home. 
Um, so this is a great opportunity if you are uh, a parent who's at home during the day and your kids are off at school, if you're a grandparent, if you're a teenager, um, we welcome you all and you do get paid. <laughs> so um, how do we, when do we meet and how can you get involved? MOPS meets on the second and fourth Tuesdays of the month, September through May from 9.15 to 11.15. And our first meeting is on September 13th. We offer breakfast and coffee and childcare. We have speakers, we make crafts, um, and we talk about Jesus. Um, we also offer fun things outside of our regular meetings. If you can't come on Tuesdays because of a job or other commitments, we offer things like Mom's Night Outs. Um, we do paint and sips, you know, tea and coffee, of course. We do escape rooms and bonfires and, and lots more. If it sounds good to you or if you know someone who has little ones um, who needs a ministry like this, um, we encourage you to um, attend or invite them to our August 23rd registration um, event and play date. It's very casual. It's a come-as-you-are type of deal. It's over in the gym, um, and we can help you get registered for the year. We can Anybody who's new, um, it's a great opportunity in, a, in like a low-key environment just to meet the moms of mobs. Um, as a special incentive um, for early registration this year, we are offering um, uh, you to get into a drawing for a free overnight stay, and we will watch your children while you go away. Um, so we know that's hard. We can't offer that for everyone, ladies, all right? Just the moms of ops. Um, but uh, we know it's hard to get those um, opportunities, so we want to incentivize you a little bit to, to come and, and pay early. Um, so if you're interested in getting more information about MOPS, um, we will be out in the lobby this Sunday and the next two Sundays. Um, and we would love to meet you, and we would love to welcome all of you to our flock. Thank you. We appreciate the MOPS ministry here at the church. God has done so much through the MOPS ministry, and we thank God for Lindsay and all the people that are going to be serving there this year. Again, please sign up and help out. Even if you can only do it once a month, you'll take them once a month to help. So. So just uh, sign up to help out in any way that you can. Uh, we're looking forward to what God is going to do. Amen? So I want to say thank you as we continue on. Thank you for your faithfulness and giving. God's been so good to the church and good to you. And as we give to the Lord, we return thanks to Him. And so uh, here at the church, we give through the boxes on the wall. You can just uh, uh, give through the boxes on the wall in the auditorium or in the foyer, through the mail or online. But uh, God has been so good, and we're, we're thanking the Lord for all that we're able to do and to be able to advance the kingdom of God here. And MOPS is just one of those ministries that's doing a powerful, powerful uh, work for the Lord here. We're looking forward to this Wednesday, looking forward to the fall things that are going to be moving on. Uh, incredible time we've had with the Vacation Bible School, 300 kids here. Wasn't that incredible? I mean, God has just blessed us immensely. So let's go to the Lord and thank Him this morning. Let's stand together as we pray, all right? Our Father and our God, we come before you and we just thank you for all that you've done, God. We're so thankful for all the ministries of the church. God, there's so many places for people to get involved here. Uh, men's groups, women's groups, the, the MOPS group, uh, small groups, Lord. That We have so many places that, for people to plug in. I pray, Lord, that as we continue to grow opportunities, that you'll continue to grow us. Lord, we are so thankful for uh, what you're going to do this week here with our movie night. Uh, we know that uh, many people have signed up, and many will be signing up this week and coming out to just kind of check out what's going on at the church. Lord, I pray that you'll put your hand upon uh, each person here at the church, continue to work and continue to move and use us as we reach the community for you. Um, Lord, we're so thankful for, the, uh, for the, the tithes and offerings of your people, Lord. As we come, to get, come together this morning and we give unto your name, uh, Lord, it's a joy and a privilege to honor you, to bless your holy name. 
and to give unto you and to, and to just say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And so we're so thankful for what you've given to us. And Lord, as we return a portion to you, we say thank you and we honor you and we bless you. And we pray that you'll continue to do great and mighty deeds uh, in, in and through our church. In your precious name we pray. Amen.
you this morning, Lord. We want your praise to always be on our lips. We love that song, Lord, and the words that ever be on our lips, Lord. There is no greater name that we can speak from our mouth than the name of Jesus. Lord, help us not to be ashamed of that. Help us not to be afraid of speaking your name to those that need you, Lord. This world is lost. Those around us, Lord, each and every day, they need a Savior. And I ask, Lord, that your praise will be ever on our lips each and every day until we see you. Continuing our summer in the Psalms, and as we've been looking at different Psalms, you find out in the Scripture there's just uh, uh, something in the book of Psalms that deals with every emotion, every situation you'll ever encounter. Today we're going to look at a Psalm that's going to look at security, dealing with security. You know, we live in a world that's security crazy today, isn't it? And uh, the world is uh, absolutely more crazy than it's ever been. And so everybody, you think about security, you think about things differently. And I think we think about it so differently, particularly since 9-11. You know, before I went on an airplane, you know, when you go on an airplane before 9-11, you didn't have to take anything off, you know. I'll never forget, I, uh, just a few weeks ago, I went on a trip here, probably a few months ago, actually, I went on a trip, and, you know, they say, take off your shoes to go through the scanner at the airport, take off your shoes, take off your belt. Well, I forgot to take off my belt, and, uh, and I go through there, and I got my hands up, you know, and they do the scan, and then they come out, and they go, okay, what do you got on you? I'm like, I have no clue, and so they take the wand, and they're going all over the place. I'm like, all right, it's just my belt. Let me take it off. And I take the belt off, and they're wanding me, and I'm like so uncomfortable. You know, that is not fun to do. And the guy says, I'll bet you'll take your belt off the next time. I said, I bet you'll never touch me again. You know, I know. So I was like, you know, it's just like it was crazy, you know. And, uh, and it was just like, man, but that's the world we live in. We're living in a world that's so, like, security is crazy. It's, a, it's, it's just a, a rough world, and everything's tough. Everything is on edge, people on edge. You know, after 9-11, there was... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, people that were so afraid to work in those office buildings that they, uh, there was a company, that, uh, it, was, it was an Israeli company, actually came up with what was called the executive chute. It was a parachute. It was a four-pound parachute, and, and uh, the worker could put it on his back, tie it off, tie the ripcord off to a piece of furniture, so if he jumped out the window, the parachute would open. There was just one problem. You had to be ten stories or higher. Uh, the company, I don't think, is in existence today. But right after 9-11, man, this was the type of stuff that people were going through. You know, Jesus offered words of assurance and on security. Here's what Jesus said over in John 16:33. Jesus said, in this world you will have problems, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. And as we jump in, the, in this morning and look at, at, uh, at this psalm, we're going to look at how David's going to show us how, to, how do you battle fear? How do you battle insecurities? How do you battle frustration with other people? And you're going to see this because Psalm 37 is David, and he's coming to you from an old, the old man David now. As a matter of fact, Psalm 37 verse 25 says this, 
David says here, I have been young and now I am an old. Now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging for bread. Listen, he says here, I'm an old man now. When I was young, it was true. And when I'm old, it's true. God's people, he always takes care of his people. And I want us to remember that. We've got to, we've got to place that like at the paramount of our, of our mind. When we're thinking about security, you're thinking about frustration. You're thinking about all the fears of this world. Remember, God is not abandoning you. He is right there with you. And he says, listen, I have seen this all my lifetime. And now as an old man, he's going to give us these, these knowledge here. He's going to give us some wisdom. He's going to give some counsel on how to deal with life when things just aren't going your way. How to deal with life whenever there's an opposition to what you're trying to do. As a matter of fact, here, look at the instruction here. Psalm 37, verse 1. He says this. He says, do not fret because of evildoers. Do not be envious towards wrongdoers. For they, will wither, for they will wither quickly like the grass, and they will fade like the green herb. <clears throat> He's giving us here a number of instructions. These are instructions that will change your life. You know, when you're living in fear, when you're living with insecurity, you're living with frustration, like you're on the edge all the time. These, these five, there's five things I'm going to give you this morning. You follow along on the back of your bolt, and you can fill in the blanks. He says here, number one, fret not. Fret not is the very first thing. Instruction number one is the fret not. The word behind this fret here is to, it, in Hebrew, it's to get heated. So it says, do not fret, do not get heated because of evildoers. Be not envious toward the wrongdoers. So whenever somebody looks like they're getting ahead, when the evildoers are coming along, here's what happens. You get heated. That's a, that's a pretty good description, isn't it? When you're worried, when you're angry, when you're frustrated, that's whenever you get heated. You just kind of, you kind of get the clenched fist. You know what I mean? You're like, here's what happens. When the evildoer's going ahead, what do you want to do? You want to get revenge, don't you? Like it's, man, I, I, there's no way that, why is it that the people who are doing good seem to be going backwards and the people who are doing bad seem to be going forward? And God says here, don't fret. Don't live with a clenched fist. Don't live with a clenched fist because an evildoer looks like they're getting ahead. And look what he says there. He says they're like the grass that is soon that gets cut down and it soon withers away. It just kind of blows away. You see, you can't, if your hands are clenched, if you have closed hands and you're, you're, you're always heated and you're upset all the time, you don't have hands that are open to receive the blessing of God. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, you've got to have your hands open. You, you can't be heated. You can't be always on edge. You can't be living this way. So the very first thing he says not to do is don't fret. And then the next four things he gives us are very positive. So there's only one negative, not fret. And I'll tell you what, I kind of struggle with that, don't you? I kind of struggle with, with, with frustration whenever somebody that has done wrong seems like they're getting ahead. When somebody that has done wrong seems like the, they're taking advantage of your situation even. And sometimes you can just get really fired up. You can get really heated about that. And God says, listen, don't go there. Don't, don't get heated. Don't let that happen to you. Verse 3, he continues. He says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Trust in the Lord. That's the second instruction is to trust in the Lord. This morning, he says, first of all, here's what to take off. Take off your worry. Take off your anger. Take off your fretting and trust in the Lord. Put your trust in the Lord. You see, if we walk by sight, 
If you're walking by sight and you're looking at, boy, this person got ahead and what's wrong with me? Why are they being blessed and I'm not? You start living like that. What you're doing is you're walking by sight and not by faith. Trust is all about faith. That's what faith is. It's trusting in the Lord. You're, you're putting your trust in what he did. And listen, the psalm here in Psalm 37, a few verses later in verse 35, he tells us that the wicked may prosper, but they won't last. He says, I have seen a wicked, violent man spreading himself like a luxuriant tree in its native soil. Then he passed away, and lo, he was no more. I sought for him, but he could not be found. You see, you can come and you can trust the Lord because he's got... You don't have to worry about the wicked. You've got, you got the Lord you can trust. You don't have to walk by sight. You get to walk by faith and, and who he is and what he has done. What we're supposed to do is we're supposed to practice the long view of life. You know, as, as, as you look through life, we, 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 tend to get, we tend to get upset and really fretting over the things that we're dealing with right now, don't we? It's like, oh, why would that happen? Why did that person say that? Why, why, why? In the meantime, look at the long view of life. The long view of life is that God has prepared for you a place in eternity. The long view of life is that the, that the, the wicked will fade. They're like the grass that's cut down. They will fade. Believe what God said in his word because that's where you're going to find reality. You See, your reality is not in the things that you can see. You're looking around and that's called walking by sight. God wants us to walk by faith. Walk by faith in who he is and trusting him and not interpreting these here for face value. Hey, look what's, what's happening here. But look at what God's got, the eternal plan. And it means that we, put his, we believe in his promises. We know that he's such a wonderful God and that he can always, always be trusted. We trust people because of their good character, right? If, you, if you're going to trust a friend, you want to trust them because they have good character. They're confident. They're not going to tell your secret, right? They're, they're, they have good integrity, good character. Uh, when you come before God, he's perfect in his character. He is perfect in everything about him. So you can trust God more than you can trust any human being alive. And God's called us to, to just kind of feed on his faithfulness. His faithfulness, he's, he's always there. He's always on the throne. Verse 4 continues and says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Instruction number three is to delight yourself in the Lord. You know, when you delight in the Lord, this means that you'll find your joy and you'll find your pleasure in Him. Um, make Him your delight. Your desires will become His will. Like, like He will give you those desires. And so when you've got to look at this, you say, wait a minute. Sometimes my desires are not necessarily God's desires, right? So it's predicated by this thought. If you will delight in the Lord, then He will give you the desires of your heart. It's not, hey, take your desires and God will give you whatever you want. You see, that's kind of this TV preaching type of stuff, right? That's what the TV says. Hey, you turn on the TV preachers, that's what they're all telling you right now. Hey, send in your money and you'll be happy. No, you'll be broke. That's what that means, okay? God says here, he, listen, what he's telling you here, he says, delight yourself in him. Delight yourself in who he is. He is God. And so what does it mean to delight you know, when you think of delight, last, you know, two weeks ago we talked about, the, uh, talked about tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. And I was just thinking this the other day. If you give a kid an ice cream cone, he knows what delight is all about, isn't it? Do you ever go over to Al's Cone Zone? Anybody ever been over there? Isn't that the best place on earth? 
I mean, you get an ice cream cone like that. Listen, if you see a little kid who's delighting in an ice cream cone, he's over at Al's Cone Zone, he's wearing it. It's all over his face. It's all over his shirt. His mother's losing her mind because, you know, well, that just can't happen, right? He's delighting in it because it tastes so good. And, man, this is so good stuff. That's what we're supposed to do. God says, I want you to delight in me. He told us already, taste and see that he's good. We know that he's good. Now he says, I want you to experience this. And you see, that's what happens. When, that, when you see that little kid and he's experiencing it, if the little kid doesn't like the ice cream, he's going to toss it out. He's going to spit it out, just like he does with broccoli, right? And, and I mean, that happens quite often. I remember when our kids were little trying to teach them how to eat vegetables. Not that I was the best role model, but, you know, I had to teach them anyhow, right? And, and so as I was trying to teach them about eating their vegetables, I remember certain days telling them, hey, you know what? Just eat your vegetables. Eat, eat that broccoli. And, you know, they'd be sitting there like, ah, and doing that whole thing. And, you know, I don't care. You know, how many times have we as parents said this? I don't care. You can stay there all night long. I've got other stuff to do. You can sit at the table. When you, when you eat your broccoli, you can go to bed, right? <sighs> well, I'm glad that we did that because now my kids enjoy some vegetables, the four or five that we put before them, right? Like they enjoy them. Why? Because, because there was a day that they had to turn their nose up. They didn't delight in it. But now there is delight in it. And you see, that's what God says. He says, at first, when you come to him, he, you know, taste and see that he's good. He is good. And, and right now, you may not even want to come to the table. But God says, I'm telling you, you start eating, you start hanging out there, you start experiencing him, and you will delight in him. Now, we, now make this your delight in him. See, the world's got so many things for us to be delighted in, right? You can be delighted in a career. You can be delighted in lots of money. You can be delighted in relationships. Those are all fun things. But there's nothing that gives us delight like God does. And he says, make your delight in him. And when you make your delight, like this is where you go, you got the ice cream running down your face. You are so happy with who he is. He says, when you do that, then he will give you the desires of your heart. And what this really means is that then he changes our desires doesn't mean if I delight in the Lord that I'll get that car that I always wanted. It means if I delight in the Lord, he gives me new desires. And then he fulfills those desires. And I have been able to look through my life and I can say, wow, God, there's, there's things that I didn't desire at one point. Now I desire them. I desire after righteousness. I desire after the things of God. Why? Because it wasn't that I said, hey, this is what Christians do, so I'm going to go out and I'm going to try and act like a Christian. No. I came to God, and I delighted in Him. And when you get your joy, you get your pleasure, you get your delight from Him, He takes care of everything else. Then He gives you those desires, and then He fulfills those desires. Continuing on, verse 5, He says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He will do it. Commit your way to the Lord, and He will do it. Instruction number four is to commit to the Lord. I want you to catch that. Commit your ways to the Lord. Um, that word commit there, it, it has this idea behind it, roll, to roll. And I couldn't help but think about whenever Todd Beamer on Flight 93 um, called his wife. He's going to take over the plane, at least attempt to take over that, that plane. And the phone is laying there, and his wife hears him say, 
let's roll. That's what this is. It's commitment. You see, when Todd Beamer decided that day that they were going to make an attempt to save that plane, he said, let's roll. And he got his people together, and they rolled. And that's what God is calling us. Commitment is let's roll. You see, here's the target. Let's roll. Let's go after it. That's what God's called us to do. And, and you know, there are many things that you can commit your life to. God says, commit your ways to the Lord, and he will do it. What's he going to do? He's going to bring forth the good that he wants in your life. He's going to bring forth what what will glorify him the most in your life. So our goal now is to commit. And that's a a big word because in in our world, commitment is unwavering. I'm sorry. Commitment is hardly taken seriously. Uh, commitment should be unwavering. Commitment should be like, hey, this is, this is what I'm doing. You can't change my mind. And, uh, and God says, I want you to commit. Today we have commitment on, well, if I feel good, if it's convenient, if this, if that. And we, we, we make our life's decision based upon, uh, upon how I'm feeling quite often at that moment. Commitment is let's roll. This is what God's called me to. This is what God's doing in my life. And I'm going to stay focused on his ways. I'm going to let him guide my steps. I'm going to let him choose my joy. I'm going to let him protect my name. I'm going to let him bless my work. And as you go through life committed to him, man, I've been following Christ for a long time now. And and I'll tell you what, that commitment grows through the years, but it started with a small commitment. When I was just seven years old, somebody downstairs shared with me how to have Jesus Christ as my Savior. I needed a Savior. And they made that very clear to me. And as a young child, I trusted the Lord as my Savior. Moving on into middle school and high school, I began to get excited about the things of God. And, uh, and then pretty soon, by the time I hit my college years, I said, I am going to commit my life to this. And, and so I made a commitment. I have it in the front of a Bible, in one of my Bibles in my office, that I had from 1987, I think it was, 1987 or 1988. I wrote in the front of there, from here, from this point on, I commit everything about me, all my ways. I commit it to the Lord. And it was this verse I wrote right next to that. I have committed this unto the Lord. So this is my life. I made a commitment. So, you know, it's like when I got married, I made a commitment. I didn't make a commitment if it's happy. I didn't make a commitment if it's good. I didn't make a commitment if it's bad. I made a commitment for everything in between. And that's what God said, I want you to do with your life with God. I want you to make a commitment. I'll tell you what, I made this commitment with the Lord, and and I have fallen, I've stumbled, I've gotten up, I keep moving forward in faith. But man, here's here's the joy. When you stumble and you fall and you're committed, you get back up and keep going in the right direction. Did you catch that? Being committed doesn't mean that you don't stumble. Being committed means that, man, you may stumble, you may fall, but you're going to get back up and you're going to go in the right direction, that same goal in mind. God says here to commit your ways to the Lord and he will do it. He will, he will continue his work in your life. He will continue to bring glory from the things in your life that you're frustrated over, from some of those things that you have fear over, from the, some of those things that you want to fret over. You, you can look at all that and say, okay, Lord, I'm committed This is the way you've called me. I'm walking in it. I don't understand your ways, but I'm committed to them. And so you commit your way 
to the Lord. Psalm 37, 7 says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his ways. Because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Do not fret because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. He says, rest in the Lord. Instruction number five is rest in the Lord. Isn't there something powerful about rest? Like whenever you get a a moment of rest, doesn't it feel good? Like you've been running at the speed of light. And the world reopened and we're all running at the speed of light, right? And sometimes just a little rest goes a long way. Doesn't it feel good when you just take a day off? When you take a day and you don't have to do anything? Like you just, just kind of let your body regain that. I mean, God modeled that for us. He created the earth in six days, and on the seventh day he rested, right? So rest is important. Rest, our bodies need it. Our mind needs it. Our emotions need it. Everything about me needs it. And I have to tell you, whenever I'm getting a little bit crazy, you can tell it's because I haven't had any rest. And my wife will especially let me know that. She'll say, hey, you need to pull back a little bit. I said, what do you mean? I'm, I'm the pastor. She goes, exactly. You need to pull back a little bit. Ah, you can do this. No, you can't. So she'll pull me back and say, you need to rest. God says, rest in the Lord. Like I've got to rest in him. I've got to come and know that if the bombs are going off everywhere, I can rest. Remember Mr. Magoo? Wasn't he the hero? I love Mr. Magoo. Some of you aren't old enough to remember him, right? There you go. A few of you remember that. Mr. Magoo would be just driving along, and he had those Coke bottle glasses on, you know. He'd just be driving around, and bombs are going off everywhere, and he was happy. And you know what? When you're resting in the Lord, that's what I feel like life is. There are bombs going off everywhere, and it's true, isn't it? Like the world is nuts. Sometimes family's nuts, sometimes work's nuts, everything's getting nuts, right? But when I'm resting in the Lord, I can go home and say, okay, Lord, that was a wild day at battle today. And I can see all this stuff happening. But I'm going to rest in knowing that you are God and patiently, have patient faith. He says to rest in him and wait patiently for him. You know, Philippians 4 says this, do not be anxious for anything. I love this. Do not be anxious. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He's talking about patient faith. You see, that anxious is the fret. Don't fret. Don't be anxious. But in everything, by prayer. You come by prayer. See, that's where the patient faith is. By prayer, you come and you give him everything. By prayer and supplication, it's praying for your needs and the needs of others. And with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then the very next verse says, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Folks, that's rest right there. And how do you get that rest? You have to come and you have to delight in Him. You have to trust in Him. And as you trust in Him and you commit your ways to Him, you can rest knowing, okay, God, you've got the bigger picture in plan. God, I cannot understand half of what's happened. I'm upset at half of what's happened. But God, you're in charge. And you see, that's rest. Now I'm not sitting there going, oh, why, why, why did that person say that? Why, why, why is the evil person getting ahead? Why does it look like they're having all the blessing and I'm getting all the curse? I don't have to live like that. 
and neither do you. Amen? Like, this is freedom. That's what God's given to us. He's given us this freedom. Rest in the Lord. Um, God sometimes uh, waits in his answers to prayer so that we will grow in our patience, strengthen our patience. Over in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8, and I'm just going to read this to you. It's not on the screen, but he says this, Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, when you experience various trials. That's the total opposite of what we want to do, right? This was a hard time. He says, whenever you experience great trials, consider it a great joy, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature, complete, lacking nothing. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask of God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea, tossed and uh, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. See, listen, when I come to the Lord, I am resting in confidence in who he is. And James says here, look, a double-minded man will say, well, maybe, well, God, well, are you God or are you not God? And it goes back and forth and back and forth. It's like shredding your heart apart. And he says, man, that type of heart isn't resting. And that type of heart won't see the hand of God move in their life because they're, they're double-minded. Is he God or is he not? Is, you know, and that's what this really boils down to. I can rest whenever I'm trusting him if I really believe that he's God. But if I want him to be the God that I'm trying to make him to be to fit into my box, I would be restless. God says, come and just rest. Rest in him. Uh, Martin Luther interpreted this verse, rest in the Lord, Psalm 37, 7. He said it like this. He said, rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him. Be silent to God and let him hold thee. Um, be silent to God and let him hold thee. Keep still and he will mold thee to the right shape. Be silent to God and let him mold thee. Now think about that. That's a powerful translation that rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him. Uh, he says, be silent to God, let him mold you. Keep still and he will mold you into the right shape. Oh, I love that. That is so powerful. You know, could, could you imagine a, a potter working with clay and all of a sudden the clay says, <laughs> starts jiggling around. The clay starts having a mind of its own saying, I don't think that's what you want to do, potter. Right? No, the clay has to let the potter do his work. Be silent and let God mold you. That's what it is. That's what rest is. And so come to him and, and patiently waiting on him. And, and, and he, he continues on. He says, but the humble will inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. So this, this verse here does not mean, hey, you know, if you go to church, you're going to get everything you want. You're going to be rich. Um, again, what this was talking about was in the Old Testament, God would give them the land, the land of Israel. And he says, as long as you keep following me, things are going to be good. But whenever they would disobey, and would come oppression, and the oppression would come in. And it would be times that weren't too good, times that weren't very prosperous. And you go through the whole Old Testament, you see the cycle on top of cycle on top of cycle. But he says the humble, as we follow the Lord, we're humbly trusting him, and we will inherit. God has the inheritance, and we get to inherit everything from the Lord. 
Um, Psalm 37, 16. We can rest. He gives you more reasons why you can rest. He says, better is, little in, of the, uh, better is the little of the righteous than the abundance of many wicked. He says, man, just, you know, God knows what you need. You, you see this? You can rest here because God knows the financial provisions that you need. He's on top of it. And he says, better is a, a little bit with God than to have a whole lot without God. Uh, God knows how much we can take. Verse 17. Man, many times people say, ah, I don't know. I don't know how much more I can take. Well, let me tell you, God does. He says here, he says, For the arms of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord sustains the righteous. So as you're looking around and you're fretting over some of these things, we know that we have a, a great burden that, that we can try to bear, but God is, is the one who's going to fight the battle. God is the one who sustains the righteous. Uh, when, when, when he puts us in the furnace, remember this, when God puts us in the furnace, He's got his eye on the, ther- on the thermometer and his hand on the thermostat. So he's ready. He knows, man, it, it, it's too hot. Remember when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into the fiery furnace? They thought it was all over. And God was in charge. God knew what he was doing. And, folks, the same is what's going on in your life. God is in charge. He knows what he's doing. So you can trust him because of this. You can rest in him. God knows the days that we will live. You can rest in him because he knows the days we'll live. Verse 18, the Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their inheritance will be forever. God has a plan for your life. Uh, it's, like, it's like this. If you're going on a tour, you ever go on a sightseeing tour? You ever go to one of those cities, one of those big cities like New York, and you jump on a sightseeing tour on that, that Apple bus or, you know, the, the, I call it the London bus when I was a kid, you know, that, that, the open seats on top? Man, you don't have to know where you're going. You have to know that the driver knows where you're going. And when that driver's going around, he's giving you the tour. You know, I'm not sitting, I remember we were in New York City one day, and we're sitting on top of that. And, you know, there's things I think are going to hit my head on the top of that. You know, that open seated bus. You're like, whoa. The driver knows exactly his plan. The driver knows it all. And that's what God does. Listen, God knows everything. He knows your days, and, and he knows the days of his children, and the inheritance will be forever. God will always continue to keep giving to his children the, the things that we need, the love, the joy, the patience, the peace, the kindness. God knows all the things that we, that we need. Psalm 37, verse 21 says that the, that the wicked borrow and does not pay back, but the righteous is gracious and gives. For, they bless, for those blessed by him will inherit the land. Those cursed by him will be cut off. And so as we keep following God, listen, as we commit our ways to the Lord, as we rest in him, as we trust him, God says the inheritance is yours. I don't have to fret. I've got an inheritance coming. You know, if you, if you, had, if you had a rich relative that was going to die, and they left you an inheritance, what would you be doing? You'd be cutting the grass. You'd be like, whatever you want, right? God's got the inheritance for you. And I don't have to worry about what's going on around me. All I have to know is that he has got the joy. He's got everything that I need. Verse 23 says that the steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his ways. When he falls, he will not be hurled along because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. So for the child of God, as I said earlier, you may be committed to the Lord. You may waver. You fall. 
You get back up. God puts us back on the right track. That's what he does because of who he is and what he has done for us. Lastly today, he ends the passage and he says, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. You know, waiting is, is never fun, is it? Uh, there, there's, a, there's a period of trust. You have to trust that he's coming. You know, like if you go to the doctor's office and, and you're waiting to get in to see the doctor. And, and, you know, it's like, hey, it's 10 minutes late, 15 minutes late, 30 minutes late. You, you're trusting that that doctor's coming through that door to get you, right? Well, God, he says, I want you to wait on the Lord. I want you to trust on the Lord and, and keep his way. And he will exalt you to inherit the land. As we close this morning... Um, I'm reminded of the, the, I read a story about the Gurkha Indians. Uh, they're best known for their history of bravery and strength in the Indian Army, uh, the, the Gurkha regiments. The Gurkhas were, they were naturally warlike in, in, their, in their makeup. They were aggressive in battle. They possessed qualities of courage, loyalty, and self-sufficiency. They were strong physically. They were resilient. They were strong, hard people. They had a military strategy. They were a hard-fighting people. It was once said that if a, if a man says he's not afraid of dying, he's either lying or a Gurkha. Uh, in, in his book, One Crowded Hour by Tim Bowden, he says this. Tim Bowden describes an incident in Borneo in 1964. The Nepalese fighters, known as the Gurkhas, were asked if they, if they would be willing to jump from, an airplane in, uh, jump from airplanes into combat against Indonesians. The Gurkhas didn't clearly understand what was involved, <clears throat> but they bravely said that they would do it, asking only that the plane would fly slowly over, slowly and a little bit lower over a swampy area, no higher than about 100 feet. But when they were told that the parachutes would not have time to open at that height, the Gurkhas replied, oh, you didn't mention parachutes. You see, they, they had a little bit of bravery, didn't they? Because... They knew what they were doing. And listen, let me tell you, you can have the bravery in Christ. The world is crazy. Fret not. Man, these people, those Gurkhas, they're jumping out of a plane. They weren't even thinking about a parachute. They weren't fretting. And I want to encourage you, as you're walking with the Lord, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense. Like life doesn't make sense sometimes. That's what I'm saying. Like sometimes the things that you look in this world, the things that have happened, you can't make sense of all. But I'll tell you what, you can rest. You can rest knowing that he made sense of it all. And you can just live your life like that. And you don't have to be living like this all the time. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I'd like to invite you to trust Jesus. Jesus died on the cross and he paid for your sin once for all forever. And he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved from the punishment of their sin. I, I want to invite you today to trust him. Maybe you've not done that. Maybe you've never opened your heart and made a personal relationship with Jesus. Today's the day. The scripture says now's the time. Today's the day. And you, you can call upon the Lord and just say something like this. Dear God, I need you. I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. I want to place my faith and trust into you today, that you died on the cross, that you were buried, and that you rose again. God, I invite you into my life right now. 
And for others in the room, maybe this morning you've been following Christ, but you've been fretting. Maybe you've been heated. Maybe you've been angry. You've been anxious. You've been overwhelmed. God says, you don't have to stay there. You can trust. You can trust Him. You can commit your ways to Him. You can rest in Him and wait patiently on Him for He will fulfill His inheritance in your life. Father God, I pray you'll be with each one as we open up your word, as we take this home today, as we've opened your word and now we take it home. God, I pray that you'll continue to move and do what only you can do in our lives. Thank you for the power and the faithfulness of who you are. In your name we pray. Would you please stand as we close today? Gave none. 
and power walls. Cause words, they don't do your power much justice. It's too great. Too great to be bound by little letters we make up. And it's funny that we sometimes think we understand the fullness of your glory by calling you this and that. But the reality is that we can't fully comprehend how you can be all of who you are. And think of us. 